This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day of the Lord, and, and we know that Jesus has called us to this hour. I want to share with you uh, somewhat briefly uh, on, on the, the subject, the story continues, part four. And I want to, if I can, get to a, uh, the part of f- future glory. I want to really talk about future glory. Um, we didn't get all the way to it last the service, but we'll try in this service. I find it astounding that men are trading future glory for temporary and fleeting glory. I'm talking about people who go to church. I used to say Christians, but I think I want to differentiate between the Christian and people who who go to church. But they're, they're trading future glory for the temporary and the fleeting glory, also that which is transitory rather than eternal. So do not do that. Do not make decisions based on this life and forfeit the glory that is coming to the believer. We are, a, we are Jesus' body, Christ's body. We are the body of Christ, that a body of anointing. You and I have received so much from God to be included in the fellowship of the Godhead. That is so huge to me. And as I said once, by, just by revelation, You can never fellowship with what you are unlike. And so God has given us a likeness to himself through the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And that should never be forfeited by something that is temporary. So many people who go to church are making decisions based on the way they feel, based on what they like, based on what offends them or, or various things. And they are forfeiting future glory. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, um, the, the scripture talks about a young boy and then a man who became a great prophet in Israel. And it says, and the child Samuel grew. Samuel had been, as it were, loaned to the Lord. His mom says, if you'll give me a male child, I will loan him to you. He will be lent to the Lord all the days of his life. And the Bible says that, that this little child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Now notice how he did. He was a well-rounded child. He was a believer, well-rounded. We're not talking about those believers who are not well-rounded. All you know is, well, uh, the Lord said, and I had this dream, and I had this vision, and all of these things. You're the super, super Christian, and uh, nothing is real to you. You're, you're, you're not well socially. You're not well uh, even, even physically, but you are so spiritual. Samuel grew in every way. He increased in stature and in favor. That is, people liked him. You know, they they didn't think he was so holy that they couldn't touch him, as it were. Now, notice the progression. The progression is first the Lord or the sovereign God, Yahweh, and then men. This is always God's progression. If you are growing in favor with men and then God, it's not true at all. You didn't grow in favor at all. You have to grow toward God, God Godward. Always grow Godward. Have you noticed some of these plants, when, when you plant them or put them on your patio or, or in a window, they always grow toward the sun. 
Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? So Samuel grew first toward the Lord, then man. And that's always the proper, uh, the proper growth pattern. In Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40, we, ha- we have Jesus now, and Jesus is growing the same way. Jesus is growing the same way. So when they, Mary and Joseph, and we always say Mary and Joseph because we want to make sure that we do nothing that somehow gives another picture that Jesus was not the Son of God. So we call Joseph, Joseph, to make sure that we know that Joseph was not his proper or real dad, but the man who raised him married to his mother. So when, Mary, when they, Mary and Joseph, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Now, it wants you to know that they obeyed God, therefore they could uh, uh, expect the blessings of God. They did God's will God's way. And this future glory will be had as we do God's will God's way. You cannot do it as you suppose. You must do it as, as God has proposed. You don't, do it, you don't do it any other way. The Scripture says in verse 40, And the child, Jesus, grew, or he increased, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. Isn't this amazing? Now, he grew, he increased, and became strong in spirit. Now, he's speaking of Jesus being strong in his personal spirit. In his personal spirit, he became strong. Sometimes we're so weak in spirit. We're weak in mind. But Jesus, and we see Samuel and now Jesus growing strong, well-rounded people. You know, notice here. Filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Wow. Was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God, the favor of God, was upon him. Luke tells us that this child, Jesus, developed physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. He developed in a well-rounded way. Have you seen people, they're really smart, maybe uh, academically, they're very, very smart, but they don't know anything beyond that. Or you see people that's all brawn and no brains, you know, or, or, or they can't, they can't uh, solve a little riddle or a puzzle that's very simple because they're not well-rounded. Jesus was well-rounded. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says that he increased in wisdom, stature, now listen, and in favor with God and men. So are you growing in favor with God and men? Let me just ask you a question. I, I want to ask this question. I'm on sort of shaky ground asking this question. Does God like you? <laughs> you know, are, 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 do you? I know God loves you. But are you such a person, God just, oh, I just love being, being uh, when they come to my, into my presence. Oh, I just love that. You know, is, is that the way it is with you? Are, are you really now uh, aware of a friendship, a uh, a relationship, a fellowship with God, the way he is eager uh, to see you, eager to commune with you. I remember a number of years ago when I was, I was fasting, uh, I wanted to do 100 days of fasting and, uh, uh, consecutively, and that was in 2009, 2009. 
and I was praying for a particular thing because in that particular period, there was a lot of bad talk about assassinations, and so I was praying, and I would fast. I would eat maybe just a, a, a what do you call it, a subsistence meal. Uh, I would just eat enough to, to live or to take a, a bit of medicine, and some days I ate nothing at all for those 100 days, and I, I would go home and pray, and what I would put, do, I would put it on my calendar as an appointment, and I would say to people, uh, I have an appointment. Sometimes if I said, if I have an appointment, they go, well, with whom? So, you know, and I, I mean, I, that was none of their business, but, you know, I'm the pastor. They can ask me whatever they want to. And so, uh, so I just put down there, I have an appointment, and I would go to spend time with the Lord, sometimes uh, two hours, sometimes four hours, sometimes six hours of just praying. And um, I remember going into my prayer room with the Lord, and I would get there. I was running to get there. I said, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late for my appointment. I would run, and I would get there. And you know what? He was waiting on me. It was amazing. I had I never had known that kind of relationship. He was waiting on me, and, and we had such divine fellowship. That's what God wants to have with you. He wants to have this kind of relationship with you, this wonderful fellowship. So Jesus grew in this manner. You and I are also to grow in this manner. We are to grow in favor with God. We are to grow in favor then with men. Men ought to want to be around us. They may not know what it, what it is or what the reasons are, but they want to be around us. They always feel better because we've come into the room. That's how Jesus grew. That's how Samuel grew first. And Jesus grew in that same pattern of this prophet. And Jesus is growing this way because this is the way Moses grew as well. All of the great men and women of God grew in this pattern. How are you growing today? Luke chapter 4 verse 17 uh, shares with us more about Jesus. I, I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? You ever get tired of me talking about Jesus? Right answer. That is the right answer. That's the right answer. We're going, to have the, we're going to have the ushers that put you out. You know, that song says, uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing and shout because there'll be nobody there to put me out. Yeah? Yeah? So, hallelujah, somebody. Somebody. I was telling the church earlier, I don't know why I'm remembering these old songs. I never could sing them. But now as I grow older, I remember them. Luke 4, 17 says, Speaking of Jesus, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He had gone back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he was given, uh, as his custom was, to read in the synagogue. They gave him the prophet Isaiah. Now, they had known him only Jesus, uh, uh, Mary, and Joseph's child. They had only known him like that, Jesus the carpenter. They did not know him as Jesus the Messiah. So he went back to uh, the, uh, his hometown and he opened the book, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is what he, wrote, he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord, the Sovereign Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh is upon me. This is huge to me, isn't it? This is huge to you that the Spirit of God is not only upon you, but the Spirit of God is within you. Wow. Wow. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is how he knows, he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So Jesus is saying, here's the Son of God. He's saying, I know the Spirit of Yahweh is upon me because I have regard for the poor. 
You, you may say, well, boy, Pastor, I'm so tired of you always on that harp. Don't be tired because God is there. Jesus says, I know that I have the Spirit of God because I care about what God cares about. I care about what the Father cares about. I don't demonize the poor. Jesus told us they would be with us always. And so this is one, one way that Jesus knows because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach to poor people. Some people might say, well, that was just the spiritual poor. Oh, come on. Everybody was spiritual poor. It was the poor. He has sent me, what? To heal the brokenhearted. So those who are brokenhearted, those who are in shambles, we should not say, ah, again? No. Man, you need to do better. Look at me, you know. Uh, you're in shambles too with that attitude. But sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And we know this is the Spirit. So the Spirit of God cares about brokenhearted people. He is near those who are brokenhearted. So there are people who come to church brokenhearted. And, and, and maybe they don't get a glance from us. They don't get a hello from us. They're brokenhearted. Then he says to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. So we, we ought to proclaim liberty to those who are, who are captive. Those who are captive by the enemy, those who are captive by deception, those who are captive by, by lies, etc. We should proclaim liberty. So God is saying to us with the Spirit of the Lord, we can proclaim liberty to folks rather, rather than taking sides against them. I have never seen so many captive people in my 73 years on the earth. Never like I see today. Somebody ought to say something for the Lord. Hallelujah. Say something for the Lord. And so my job is not to tell them where they are wrong in this particular setting, but my job is to set at liberty. And how do I set at liberty uh, those who are captives? I set at liberty by bringing them Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our message. Jesus is what we should give to them, not some point of view about something going on. Give them Jesus. That's who they need. And they are blind. If they are blind, you don't have to tell a blind person, you're blind. Come on, I'm talking to some Christians in here. I'm talking to some saints of God here. I'm talking to saints of God here. I'm preaching to the church of Jesus Christ. You don't have to tell a blind person they're blind. They know they're blind. So let's bring them some sight. Let's do the recovery of sight to the blind. Those who don't know as they ought to know. Let's bring them Jesus. He is the recovery of sight to those who are blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. A lot of oppressed people. They're feeling oppressed. They need a word from the Lord. And so I ask the, us, the church people, is there a word from the Lord? I ask you, is there a word from the Lord? Is there a word on your lips from the Lord to those who are oppressed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I want to, I want to turn you to, to Acts chapter Chapter 3, because we have to find out how Jesus progressed. You know, I, I, I have I've given up on trying to impress people. I don't want to impress anybody. I don't want anybody to be impressed with any 
anything I've ever done. This is what I want you to be impressed. I want you to be impressed with the sovereign Lord. I want you to be impressed with Jesus Christ who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. I want us to be impressed with him, the one who loves us so much he died for us. He died as us, took our punishment, died in our place. Be impressed by him. And since he has been given to you by God the Father, give him away. Hallelujah, somebody. Peter is, Peter is here in Acts chapter 3. Peter's preaching. And, and old Peter could preach, man. Peter could preach. I, I, I hope it's not irreverent to say old Peter. But Peter could preach. Peter could preach. He, was a, he had come from a long way. And uh, he had gone through some things with God. And he loved Jesus. He loved him humanly. And then he came to love him in a supernatural way. But this is what he says to us. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, He's speaking now to, to these who had, who had been the, the betrayers and murderers of Jesus, those who had consented to his crucifixion and actually demanded it. He said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You church folks, well, was synagogue folks, but they were God's people. And, and now I see a parallel today. That don't, don't turn me off. Don't turn me off. I see a parallel today, and I see this, this parallel before Noah's flood, before judgment. I see this parallel before uh, God uh, caused Israel, the northern kingdom, to go into uh, captivity of bondage. I see it before Judah went into bondage. The same pattern. Then it, it, it comes up again here when Jesus, the Messiah, God sends the Messiah. It comes again as the people of God are acting like they're not people of God. I see it today and I'm appalled by it. I'm actually offended by it, righteously indignant about it, that we would trade God in for something temporary. Those of us who have not actively done it have applauded those who did it. This is crazy stuff. You say, well, Pastor, you're always preaching about that. We're going to keep preaching until we stop being like that. Are you still with me? It was the church folks who denied him. Now listen, this is what he's doing. In, in every age, when you saw God's judgment came, uh, coming, or having come, or was about to come, rather, when you saw his judgment about to come, it was because God's people, those people who were the keepers of the oracles of God, those people who were the keepers of the law of God, those who were supposed to be righteous, acted in an unrighteous way. It never has failed. And in every generation, the prophets would cite the previous generation as to their failure, but still they would not repent. Are you still with me? Oh, man, Lord, help me, Lord. He says, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised up from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Now, he's, listen to what he says. You denied the Prince of Life. This is what it looks like. When I've got options in front of me, I've got the left option, I've got the right option and I choose one of them over the Prince of Life. So you see, Jesus 
Jesus is who I should be choosing if I'm on the right of these issues. Jesus is who I should be choosing if I'm on the left of these issues. So, so, so the answer is Jesus to the left, Jesus to the right. That's the answer. And that's the answer we should carry in our hearts, in our spirits, and be given to a lost and dying world. Who, that world that needs a solution, and we're bringing more of the same, the stuff they already have. Hallelujah. So Paul, this, Peter said, we're witnesses. We're witnesses. You denied him, but God raised him from the dead. You denied him. You didn't want him, but God wanted him, and we wanted him. And now we are his witnesses. We're his witnesses. I'll tell him in the, in the first service, I, I was remembering this song that I never could sing when I was a boy, but it just leapt in my spirit. It says, it says my soul is a witness. I'm a witness, it says, for my Lord. I'm a witness for my Lord. Do you remember? Anybody knows that song? I'm a witness for my Lord. My soul is the witness for my Lord. I'm a witness. They kept singing. They were going an octave higher. I'm a witness for my Lord. My soul is the witness. And so what they're saying is they are so grown that their soul now witness for the Lord. It wasn't just the spirit man, but their soul has been trained by the spirit and their soul is doing what the spirit is doing. I'm a witness. Are you a witness? In the day of chaos, confusion, insurrection, craziness all over, on the left, on the right, everywhere. Are you a witness for Jesus? Are you more of the same? I ask that question. And so, Peter goes, amen. <laughs> amen. I mean, say, say, if you don't say amen, the babies will say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, baby. Now listen, let, let, me, let me move fast. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. They had healed a man whom you see and know, and they wanted to arrest him for doing good. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him, this man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He says, now he says, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. You, cru you crucified and denied Jesus in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Now, now, before I go to the next point here quickly, he said, I know you did this in ignorance. They came to a settled ignorance because they kept denying the truth. They came to a place where they did not do better. They could not do better because when they could have done better, they did not change. I see it happening today right before us. I, I will not close my eyes and I will not be silent. What would you do, Pastor Don, if everybody left? I'd go out and preach on the streets. I, I'm not kidding. I'd go out and preach on the streets. I'd be like that old preacher I had in college. would look up to the lights when we were too quiet. He said, amen, lights. Hallelujah. I'd be like him. He says, this is what he says. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things 
which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. And this is what I want you to know. Peter was offering them uh, repentance and reclamation. He was offering them, the Holy Spirit says, offer these, these, uh, the Jewish nation uh, repentance. So the Jewish nation had another opportunity to repent for having murdered their own Savior, their own Messiah. We say, how horrible that was. We are doing it again in a measure. When we take the preciousness of God and we, as it were, repudiate it by its non-use, and we choose to be political rather than powerful. We choose to be political rather than Christian. That's what we do. Now, let me hurry along. I'm going to read this quickly. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things. Whatever he says to you. You remember Mary said, Whatever he tells you, do it. Believers, whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you, do it. Don't know more than God, nor his prophets. It shall be that every soul will not hear. That prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who followed as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what he's talking to God's people. He says, to you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. And this is what he was promising them. He was saying, if you, the leaders of Israel, will repent, God will send Jesus. <clears throat> I believe. I believe that if we would be the church, God would do what we would call phenomenal things, miracles, wonders, and men would, would be shaken by, by their sin and by their shame. But when we participate in the same madness that they have originated, we are standing in judgment. But there's a glory that I don't want you to trade in for this shiny stuff that we see, this confetti. That's all it is in the church is going after it. I've heard some of the most absurd things from people who are preaching the gospel. I haven't called them out because God hadn't given me the permission. And I will only do what he says. The shameful things. And many Christians are following their pernicious ways. But I'm going to read to you what the coming of the Lord is about. Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. This is when Israel gets it right. Israel is going to get it right because the deliverer is going to come from Zion. 
and all Israel will be saved. They're going to get it right. They're going to get it right watching us get it right. We need to, we ought to make them jealous. You can't be jealous for what's not yours. And when they see us walking in what is theirs, they're going to get jealous. It would be like somebody walking out and grabbing your wife by the hand and walking off from you and holding her hand. Oh, no. He says, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it fruitfulness, the excellence of Carmel and, Sh and Sharon. What had become barren and unproductive will bring forth abundantly. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. And this is what he's saying to Israel, and he says to us, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. This is our testimony. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Isaiah encouraged the believing remnant to live according to God's covenantal stipulations. And, and I am here, I'm, I'm saying to you, live according to God's word for you. He says they should encourage the depressed, those who are terrified of what's going on. You should have an answer for them. But if you're like them and you are terrified like they are and depressed like they are, you are no help, but there is a help that comes from God. Those who knees, whose knees have given way and the fearful, God will save, God will deliver them. And this is God's word for all of us. It says when that happens, listen, we're not going to have to worry about people all being duped and being propagandized, being lied to. Some of the lies are so horrible, I can't even believe anybody would believe them who has the Spirit of God. But this is what will happen when you and I take our place. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap as the deer and the tongue of the mute, the dumb will sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass and reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and a road and shall and it shall be called the highway of holiness the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for others whoever walks the road although a fool shall not go astray no lion will be there nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it it shall not be found there but the redeemed but you the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord for his church. Hallelujah.